It's Wednesday, April 22nd. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, officials say the first known deaths in the U.S. due to COVID-19 have been weeks earlier than they realized. We'll tell you why that matters. Then a new study shows that a drug many claim can fight COVID-19 doesn't actually work. We'll tell you what the study says about the larger search for a treatment. And finally, time for a software update. Here's one you might not want to put off. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Okay, the COVID-19 pandemic is a rapidly changing story with lots of moving parts. And we're gonna help you sort out what exactly you need to know, starting with the three big developments of the day. Overnight, we learned about two new COVID-19 cases in California two people who hadn't been on any recent trips or near infected people. Both died at home. The thing that's noteworthy about these deaths, though, is that they happened two months ago. So why is that important? This is important news because just yesterday, we thought the first COVID-19 death in the U.S. was in late February in Washington state. But these deaths in Santa Clara County happened earlier in the month, in a totally different state. So this news from Santa Clara has the potential to throw off our entire timeline about when we thought the virus started to spread in the US. As nerds everywhere like to say, our models are only as good as the data we put in them. And this news suggests there could be a lot of cases that never made it into our databases. Remember, policymakers have been using these models to make important decisions, like how long we all have to stay home for, Part of the problem has to do with how the U.S. used to test for COVID-19. You might remember that at first, U.S. guidelines said people should only get tested if they had respiratory symptoms and had recently traveled to China, or if they'd recently been near an infected person. These two people in Santa Clara County didn't meet that criteria. Medical experts are saying that's because they probably contracted the virus from within the community, before we even knew that community transmission was a thing. Places are already starting to make changes to get a better count of who's died from COVID-19. Earlier this month, New York City said it would start counting people who died at home in its figures. These were people with suspected cases of COVID-19, but who were never officially tested. And that one change made the death toll rise by thousands. The thing to note here is that our understanding of the virus has a lot to do with how we count it. And the medical community is starting to rethink how it tallies its numbers. In this latest instance, they're looking at old suspected cases to see whether we need to factor those in too. So don't be surprised if one day, the data in your community completely changes and inspires your state officials to change course. Our second headline today is about hydroxychloroquine. We mentioned it on our show a couple weeks ago. It's an anti-malaria drug that made headlines after being promoted as a possible breakthrough for treating COVID-19. To be clear, the FDA hasn't approved any drug to treat COVID-19, but it did issue an emergency use authorization that allows patients to take hydroxychloroquine if they didn't get into clinical trials, which led to thousands of patients being treated with the drug throughout the U.S. And on Tuesday, news broke that a study about one of those trials reported that there were no benefits to using hydroxychloroquine to treat the disease. The study tested hundreds of patients at veterans' hospitals throughout the U.S. And they said they didn't find any evidence that the drug, when used alone or with another promoted drug, azithromycin, 
made patients any less likely to need a ventilator. And in fact, there was a higher rate of death among patients who were given hydroxychloroquine. It's important to note that the FDA granting emergency use authorization doesn't mean that it's an effective treatment. That's what a clinical trial is for. And this week, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the country's top infectious disease expert, released new guidelines. What do those guidelines say? That even though researchers are studying lots of drugs as potential treatment, as of now, there is still no proven drug for treating COVID-19 patients. Dr. Fauci has been particularly vocal about the fact that hydroxychloroquine has not been proven effective yet. But these guidelines weren't just written by him. They came from a panel of experts from the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. So where does this leave us in terms of finding a treatment? Well, experts say that it comes down to data, and right now, that's not something we have enough of. Even this latest study hasn't yet been peer-reviewed, meaning it hasn't been vetted by academics in the same field. But if and when an effective treatment is found, we'll be closer to dealing with the pandemic, more prepared in the event of a second outbreak, and closer to lifting stay-at-home orders. Which brings us to our third big story of the day, about the video conference software you had no idea existed until a month ago, Zoom. Zoom says that at the end of last year, it had 10 million daily users. Now it has 200 million. It's where we meet with our coworkers, catch up with our nephews and nieces, and recreate happy hour. Hello? Can you hear me? Are you there? Or at least attempt to. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me? (laughs) I can't hear anything you're saying. I feel like no one can hear me. But once everyone and their mom got on Zoom, it became clear that there were some big issues, beyond the fact that it was freaking impossible to turn off mute. People's meetings started getting Zoom bombed, meaning hackers were hijacking video conferences and sometimes even sending pornographic images. Rude and scary. The FBI started warning people to be careful, and multiple state attorneys general started investigating Zoom's privacy practices. Zoom said it was taking these concerns seriously and that it would only make updates from here on out that addressed privacy and security concerns. And today, they announced that this week they're rolling out a big fix and calling it Zoom 5.0. It's updating its encryption features to better protect people's data. And it's making its security features like locking meetings and the ability to kick people out easier to find. It's also enabling meeting passwords for most users by default. The longer this shutdown lasts, the more we're relying on these kinds of programs to keep us connected, which means it's also important that they're secure. So before you get on your weekly video call with your grandma, keep an eye out for a software update and make sure she does it too. Like we said, there's a lot happening right now. To keep up to date on the latest news about COVID-19, head on over to theskim.com slash COVID updates. Okay, we're pressing pause on the latest developing stories to talk about Earth Day. 50 years ago today, millions of Americans from New York to California took to the streets for the first Earth Day. There were some protests against oil companies. People displayed dead fish along Fifth Avenue to draw attention to river pollution. President Nixon planted a tree on the White House lawn. The First Lady even scooped some mulch and heels. Fast forward to today where we're celebrating the beauty of the earth by staying inside. We demand that we ban fracking everywhere. I hope to be in the movement for a very long time. We've said for years, live simply so that others can simply live. So I have confidence in the kids. I I listen to them, we all do. Today, people all over the world are taking their activism online, 
One group is planning 24 hours of action through things like downloading a smartphone app to document your community's air quality or going on a solo trash pickup mission. A museum is offering a virtual flight to Venus and Mars. Cause you know, it's Earth Day, but the other planets also deserve their moment in the sun. So even though our couch feels like our entire world these days, it's a nice reminder of everything out there that's waiting for us. There are a lot of ways to connect with Mother Nature, and today we're highlighting some of them in our Instagram stories. No matter your situation, sometimes you just need to press pause. And every week we send out an email with some of our favorite things to help you take a break. To sign up, head on over to theskim.com slash press pause. Before we go, we want to tell you about something we heard on our other podcast, Skimmed from the Couch. Our guest on Skimmed from the Couch this week always has an eye toward the future. Adriana Cisneros is the CEO of Cisneros, a South American media conglomerate. And she's always thinking 50 years into the future, at a minimum. This week, she explained why playing the very long game protects her business, even during times of uncertainty. I like to say that it's very important in our case to be able to play it short and long. So every decision, every major decision, it's very important that you play it forward, that you try to think, how is that gonna impact who we are as a business for the next 10, 15, or 20 years? And it kind of keeps you from, from making bad decisions or working with bad people or partnering with bad companies. And it also gives you the ability to make better financial decisions that are perhaps not risky, but that are gonna keep you afloat when things get complicated. And that's definitely proven to be the case during the few recessions that we've had in our lifetime. To hear more, you can download this episode of Skimmed from the Couch on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And that's all for Skim This. Remember, we wanna hear your shout outs. Maybe it's a message for a friend working on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic or a loved one who you can't physically meet up with right now. Give us a call at 646-461-6370 and leave us a voicemail. You might hear your message on the show. Also, heads up, you may have seen stories over the past month about how COVID-19 has led to a decrease in air pollution and carbon emissions. For our latest skim special, we talked to climate experts about what we can learn from the effects the pandemic is having on the planet. You can find the episode in the skim this feed. <laughs>